0: Hi, today is December 27th, 2020. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter, How It Works. We're starting on page 64. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory and reading through page 65, the end of that chart, which ends with my wife, the cause misunderstands and nags. Our reader today is gonna be Barbara E. And that's gonna be followed by a 20 minute share by Laura W. from Philadelphia. So Barbara, if you can unmute and please read for us.
1: My honor, thank you. Therefore, we started upon personal inventory. This was step four. A a business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a personal inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsalable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is too to be successful, he can he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self, Manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From its stem all forms of spiritual disease. For we have, not, we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, Our ambitions and our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore, we were burned up. On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? We were usually as definite as this example. I'm resentful at Mr. Brown, the cause, his attention to my wife. He told my wife of my mistress. Mr. Brown may get my job at the office and that affects my self-esteem, my sex relations, my, more of my self-esteem, my security, self-esteem in the, with the parentheses of fear labeled around many of them, and then there's Mrs. Jones. She's a nut. She snubbed me. She committed her husband for drinking. He's my friend. She's, my, she's a gossip. That affected my personal relationship, my self-esteem, and once again, fear. My employer. He's unreasonable. He's unjust. That affected my self-esteem and again, fear. He's overbearing. That affected my security, as well as he threatens to fire me for drinking and padding my expense, expense account. My wife misunderstands and nags, like likes, likes Brown, wants the house put in her name. That affects my pride, my personal s- and sex relationships, security, and of course, fear. And I'll stop.
0: Thank you so much, Barbara E. And next, we're gonna have Laura W. share for approximately 20 minutes on those pages. Thank you, Laura. Laura, you have to unmute.
1: Thank
2: you, Kim, for reminding me to unmute and for asking me to speak on these two pages today. I'm always very grateful to share my experience, strength, and hope in OA. I, um, this is my very first time sharing to a as large a group as this I've done workshops, local workshops, but they're like usually 30. (laughs) So this is a little different. I'm going to try and focus on just one lovely face at a time. And maybe I won't think about the numbers. Anyway, a very short qualification with my fairly recently developed elevator speech. For those of you who don't know what an elevator speech is, it's um, what you can say, like in the time it it takes to get between uh, two floors and an elevator. So, you know, just a couple seconds. This is my qualification for today. My name is Laura W. I live outside Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. I am a compulsive overeater and I came into OA in January of 1981 thinking it was a diet club. It took six months to come back to my second meeting and I've been coming back ever since. It took several starts and stops of abstinence before I completely admitted powerlessness over the food and began to recover from the disease by learning to live in the steps every day, one day at a time. In admitting powerlessness, I learned to reach for power with a capital P and a saner way of relating to the world into my life. So if you'd like to hear any more details, I'd be glad because 1981 was a long time ago. I'd be glad to chat one-on-one by phone, but um, I want to have the full time to share with you some of my experiences with the pages of the big book we just read. Um, Two paragraphs before the one we read today, we were instructed how to take step three, to make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood or didn't understand God. How do I turn my life over to the care of God? I don't have a clue. But the big book has a process for having that happen. It is to follow the directions to work the rest of the steps four through 12. Steps four through nine are the inventory process, which starts with a personal inventory. We need to take stock of our lives by searching out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Since self is what has defeated us, Bill instructs us to look at the common manifestations of self. He has us break our searching and fearless moral inventory into three parts, resentment, fear, and sex. So just to backtrack for a minute, I used to emphatically say that the fourth step is is to be taken one time, and I avoid the need for another big fourth step by taking regular step 10 inventories. regularly cleaning up my messes so it's not necessary to do another big house cleaning. I said that for years, even before I really knew how to live in Steps 10, 11, and 12. And I have to tell you that I really only learned to do it, at least according to the big book, since 2013. It's a long way away from 1981. So I just sort of did some of the things associated with Steps 10 and 11 but I never never with a regular practice. That's probably part of the reason it took me so long to have a real shift in my thought patterns. But nevertheless, I don't like to put down any part of my recovery in OA because I had to get to where I am by trudging the road that I did. I couldn't see what I couldn't see. And when I knew better, I did better. When I know better, I do better. By God's grace, I was able to be abstinent and growing. In recovery, even doing it imperfectly as I did from 1982 until 2013, when I was given the opportunity to learn how to follow the instructions in the big book as a way of life, pretty much as Bill has, had instructed. So um, for this woman who said you only do one inventory and just live in, uh, you know, you take the little messes up in 10 and 11, I've done five four-step inventories. And it took me writing this to realize how I said one thing and did actually did another. So if you ever wanna know what you really believe, look at where your feet are taking you and see what your feet have done. So I've taken five four step inventories, four of which were taken after I was given the gift of abstinence in 1982. My first inventory I attempted and did and gave away while I was still struggling with the food. I had had a period of abstinence, about three months. it was broken. I broke it. And I struggled from for nine months to get the abstinence back or get a new abstinence, I would imagine. But during that time, I was new in program. And they said, do an inventory. So I did an inventory. We had read a book by someone called Bill B, uh, called Compulsive Overeater actually I checked I looked it up and it's still available for purchase it's hard to believe Bill B was a big book thumper but he had his own methods of working through the big book which is how we all did things back in the day we were all you know we all were told that the big book had all the answers and open the big book to any page and you'll get the answer to your problems but none of us ever went through the big book uh, as it was written that was probably the biggest part of our problems but in any event so his book was uh, written, you know, was a compulsive reader and it, it appealed to me and appealed to a lot of us. And so his idea of doing an inventory was mostly autobiographical. There were some big book components to it. That was in 1981 to the beginning of 1982. I gave it away, I think in December of 81 or January of 82. My second inventory, I wrote uh, a couple months after my abstinence, which was in May of 82, I wanted to be a maintenance sponsor in a specific way of working a program. And in order to do that, I had to um, do their uh, inventory process, which comprised 170 questions. And there was also some big book elements in it as well. Um, And then, then in 1999, I did another, my third inventory, it was, I had moved to um, this area. I had came in, coming to OA in Cincinnati and lived in the Midwest a lot of uh, my um, adult life. I did live in Sherry Hill for a couple of years in 85 to 88. But in um, 97, I, uh, I moved to the Philadelphia area. And somebody wanted to start an AWOL. And AWOL, I'd never heard of in all the years I've been in OA, but it's called A Way of Life. It's a year-long step study. It was, we used the big book, we used other uh, literature as well, and you did a step a month. And so the fourth month we did an inventory, and I did another inventory that time again. And then uh, my fourth inventory was done in 2013. And at that point too, I had just begun listening to a phone meeting. And I loved the message of depth and weight I heard on that phone meeting. I wanted so much to be able to replicate that for the people that I sponsored. Over the years, I've been absent in all those years. I've been, you know, trudging the the road, struggling with my defects, you know, living life. It's a lot of years, right? I was 30, and you can do the math and see how old I am now. So it's a lot of years, a lot of life experiences. Um, But I never could figure out a way to sponsor, to help people get the kind of recovery that I felt I had, which for me was so effective, you know, it was long-term abstinence and uh, trying to improve my conscious contact with my higher power. And um, I just love that message. And so I asked someone from that phone meeting to guide me through the big book. And she took me through the big book um, very thoroughly. We started with the prefaces. Actually, we started with the first clean page of the big book. We went all the way through to 160. Well, pretty close to 164. Uh, Circumstances made us stop a little earlier. But we did all the work together. And that inventory was very thorough. It was a brand new way of looking at my part in my resentments. She called them the, the turnarounds. And that created a very new level of personal understanding and acceptance. And then my fifth inventory which was in 2018, I took another uh, big book workshop, a year long workshop with um, a big book teacher. And um, that was also very thorough. I hardly had any resentments to have to deal with anymore, Uh, but it took a close analytical look at column three in a way that had never been before disclosed to me. And it uncovered some realities that I had missed and caused a deeper transformation which is continuing to result in even more acceptance of life on life's terms. And you know, for me, that's, that's what I needed to do is learn how to accept life on life's terms so I could have a con- conscious contact with my higher power. So th- that was sort of my qualifications through my inventories. It's sort of cute the way I did that. I didn't even intend to do that. But anyway, I remember crying buckets during my first inventory. And by the time I did the second one, a lot of the pain had subsided. Each one peeled another layer of my onion away. And who knows, maybe in a couple of years, I'll do another one. One thing I do want to emphasize is that while I had growth from every single inventory I did, the inventories I completed in 2013 and 2018 were the most transformative. I think the others gave me a lot of self-information, but not the transformation I was to have from doing the deeper work. The deeper work as Bill has outlined it in the book. So Now we know resentment is the number one offender. We are told to list the people, institutions, and principles with which we were angry. I was told resentment means to feel again. Angry, sore, burned up, irritated, annoyed, hurt, or threatened. I was told to pray to be given the list and then write in a vertical column any name that creates a negative sensation. A heartburn, a, tummy clen- a tight tummy or a clenched jaw, I could start out any way I wanted. I could break my life into chunks and search my mind from 0 to 5, 6 to 12, high school, college, 20s, 30s, etc. I could do a stream of consciousness. I could look at the bedevilments on page 52 to jog my memory some more. Just write the list. Keep praying when you think you run out of names to see if there are any more you missed, and you can always add more as you go along because as you do the work, more memories will crop up. I, I even added names while I was working on steps eight and nine after I'd had been completed, complete, I'd completed giving away my inventory. I, I found more names to add on. And, and a name even cropped up a year later than I put on the list um, and, and worked uh, the process through. For housekeeping purposes, when dealing with a longer list, I was told to number each name on my resentment list. Then I take a clean page in my notebook for each resentment and I put the name, the number and the name on that page. My next direction is to write the cause of the injury in a few words, not a long explanation of the events. Again, use prayer to ask your higher power to give you the reasons. Use the example in the big book chart that we just read and keep the cause to seven words or less. If there are more than seven words, Wait a second. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. If there are more than one reason for the resentment, list each one separately, labeling them ABC, sort of like Bill did with Mrs. Brown. There's three there, but he didn't label them. This is uh, what my guy told me to do. And if you have difficulty writing a succinct reason, take a completely different page of paper in a different section of your notebook and write Stream of Consciousness, whatever you have to write about that name and what they did to you, you know, just write. It'll eventually stop. Your writing will stop. It always has a beginning, a middle, and an end. But this is not part of your written inventory. This is not what you're going to give to your sponsor or your guide. The purpose of it is to get some valuable information to use in your step work. And that first bit of information that this should give you is a succinct reason for the name being on your list. And if you have trouble figuring it out, you can read it to a to a trusted, recovered friend. And they might be able to help you uh, find a succinct reason from your whole big um, writing. So Bill doesn't give us much instruction on column three. He gives us a list, just gives us a list. Pride, self-esteem, ambition, security, personal relations, sex relations, pocketbook. He doesn't give us any definitions of these terms. And when I did my inventory in 2013, I just sort of played a matching game with them. And I put whichever seemed appropriate for my hurt in column three. I really didn't have any tangible experience with that part of the inventory process. And my deep realizations came with the work I did on the fourth column, which is out of the scope of our discussion today. However, in 2018, my guide when I was doing a year long step study suggested another way to tease out the significance of the third columns to help me adjust my lenses so I could see my hidden personal beliefs more clearly and have a deeper experience with them because isn't that why I'm doing this? For pride, he suggested that I imagine myself on a stage with the person in column one and imagine a relevant audience. How do I want other people to see me being treated? I was also instructed to let my imagination soar in this example, well, as in this example. So I'm gonna give you a real life example. I am angry at my son for not having communication with me for several years. I want other people to see him treating me as a superior, beloved and respected mother, extolling my virtues to everyone who will listen. My fear is that he hates me and I've royally screwed up in my parenting. From this point of pride, I can more readily come to my self-esteem. Now this is a different kind of self-esteem than what you're typically thinking I and what I did. and It took me a while to to get this difference, but I'll share it with you. This is not the psychological self-esteem we might think about, but my personal belief about who I am. If If I really want people to see my son treating me as a superior, beloved, and respected mother, then I must believe somewhere in me that I am a word that I'm worthy of my son treating me as superior, beloved and respected. For this exercise, the self-esteem is always positive. It helps crack the delusions that we were operating under. Uh, And that's what I want to do. I need to crack those delusions because they were my downfall. Again, again, what is my fear? Because fear is In brackets, my fear is that this isn't true or he doesn't believe it's true. Either I was a failure as a mother or he doesn't believe that I was a good mother. And and usually your fear is the opposite of what you believe. So for ambition, you ask yourself, what do you want? And what is your fear? I want him to believe those things. I want him to treat me with respect. I want him to contact me. For security, ask yourself, what do you need in order to be okay? And why do you need it? Note that this is different from what you want. Again, what is your fear? For personal relations, how should family, friends, co-workers, et cetera, see or treat you? Again, use the stage in the audience scenario to help you come up to the truth about how you want to be perceived. What's your fear? For sex relations, since there's another whole sex section in the inventory that deals with sex conduct, this should be more an idea, an analysis of our gender beliefs. An ideal man should, an ideal woman should, an ideal father should, an ideal mother should, an ideal son should, an ideal sister should. Boy, all those shoulds, you know where they get you. Again, what is your fear? And pocketbook could concern your beliefs about money, but if a specific resentment does not have financial implications, perhaps it's about value or emotional price or security. Again, what is your fear? This deeper dive into column three helps with the effectiveness of column four, which you'll see as you delve further into the inventory process. So I'm not gonna really talk about how they work together, but it sort of cracks your ideas about what you think about yourself and all the shoulds that you have. It took me a while to get the idea that even though I have low self-esteem, and probably most of us do, I really believe that people should see me as a superior human being, and also that I had a lot of ideas about how the world should operate. The script that Bill refers to in the paragraphs before step three is where I was stuck. I thought the world and its inhabitants should behave in certain ways and when they didn't, I was a person full of restlessness, irritability and discontent. And we all know from Dr. Silkworth's opinion, what happens when an addict is restless, irritable and discontented. There's only one way to get ease and comfort. So I want to end this little talk with one of the main reasons I love the analysis that this way of treating this four step offers me. And I emphasize this to everyone that I sponsor because the fourth step is like spiritual soul surgery. Surgery often hurts. In fact, I don't think it ever doesn't hurt. And after the surgery, there's a healing process because the hurt, I'm sorry, there's a healing process before the hurt completely dissipates. And as a result, you're restored to a healthier condition from the surgery. The truth we face about ourselves in the fourth step can be painful. But facing the truth is the only way through it. Sometimes it's painfully embarrassing that, you even, that I even thought that way. When we hold the truth up to the light of our higher power, we can begin to have the self-destructive patterns of our old behaviors fade in the sunlight of the spirit. And then we can become free of them. I, I didn't intend to say this, but I wanted, um, uh, somebody told me the story about In the old days, when in the old days, I remember them, but in the days when they used to hang laundry outside, if you put a brightly colored sheet on the, on the, on the, um, on the clothesline, very often, you know, like week after week or month after month or whatever, eventually the colors faded because the sun fades colors. And I love, love, love the analogy of my higher power being the sunlight of the spirit. And when I think about that being healing instead of warm, you know, it's, it's, it's to me, it's a very warm uh, metaphor. It makes me feel very warm and good. But when I think of it as God is, only God is able to remove my defects and bleach away the, or fade away um, the, 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 my delusions. Those are my main, those are the cause of my defects, my delusions. So anyway, I just love that analogy. So I love that idea of my old behaviors fading in the sunlight of the spirit and then I can become free of them. So also when we do this work in step 4 we are preparing ourselves for the daily analysis we'll be doing in steps 10 and 11. We're learning a skill set that we you we will use one day at a time for the rest of our lives. So this work has more than one purpose and it's it's hard work and you know it's I really try to um let the people that I work with know that it's hard work, but it re, it, um, it yields unbelievable uh, uh, benefits. And just briefly, um, two of the mo- most important purposes are to help us identify our grosser handicaps in step four and gives us valuable information for the work we need to do in steps six through nine. And then it also, the biggest Benefit, I believe, is to teach us a method for staying in balance with our higher powers' will for us on a daily basis in steps 10 and 11 as we trudge the road to happy destiny living in steps 10,
0: 11, and 12. Thanks for letting me share on this topic. Thank you so much, Laura W. from Philly. And, um, Claire, if you can stop the recording.